production. Byron Katie, or Katie as she is affectionately known, is a New York Times best-selling author and teacher of self-inquiry called The Work. We turn to Byron Katie to help us understand the puzzle of being ourselves, of rising to our best capacities and gifts in all of our complexity and strangeness. In this intimate conversation, Katie and I traverse the divine moment her life changed forever, the feeling of freedom and the root of all suffering. I found that the important thing is that when I believed my thoughts, I suffered. And when I did not believe them, I didn't suffer. And I've come to see that this is true for every human being. I'm Sarah Grimberg, and this is A Life of Greatness. Working as a podcast and radio producer, I have been fortunate enough to cross paths with many intriguing people who have had a profound impact on me. In this series, I share stories and experiences from the people who have brought inspiration to my life and hopefully yours too. Byron Katie is the author of many books, including A Mind at Home with Itself and Loving What Is. This conversation is about the importance of knowing yourself and the courage it takes to face what you're hiding. Katie teaches us that to shift the way that you function, changing your beliefs is the first step. I hold Katie and her work in the highest regard. My hope is that this conversation will leave you feeling the same. Byron Katie, welcome. Everyone calls you affectionately Katie. Your work, which is called The Work, is absolutely life-changing on so many levels and we will, we will get into that. But tell us where it all began. What happened to you at 43, that pinnacle moment when you found yourself at rock bottom? Well, after um, more than a decade of very deep, dark depression, just hopeless, suicidal, as I lay sleeping on the floor one day. Actually, a cockroach crawled over my foot. I woke up in the way I wake up every morning, but I woke up with a start. And I had no reference. And so there was no fear in it because there was just no reference. And in that moment, I saw how my world was created. I saw that when I believed, this is the important thing, this is really all I have to share. I found that the important thing is that when I believed my thoughts, I suffered. Yes. And when I did not believe them, I didn't suffer. And I've come to see that this is true for every human being. And I saw in how I created the world, how the world was, how my world was created. I saw so clearly these four questions, this inquiry that I call the work. And it was so strong in me that it, it was, it was, um, my goodness, it was, it was so radical. My children, my husband, they recognized my body, but not my, not my words. I went from depression to not depressed. I went from obese to not obese. My food choices shifted. Um, 
on that same day, the, the cigarettes were gone. The, the every, it's like insanity left me. And then people just started calling word of mouth. I was also agoraphobic, so <laughs> my doors were locked tightly and my windows were shut. But um, the, the world just slowly started coming in. It was before the internet world and, you know, was, we were just um, just getting started there. And yet people from all over the world were just passing it on one to the other to the other. And... Um, and then I just lived out of the grace of just, yes, understanding that, that this given I didn't ask for by some grace belonged to everyone. And it's, you know, anyone can question what they, you know, the cause of their suffering, what they're thinking and believing in any given moment, or any grudges they're carrying on someone, any, any uh, lack of forgiveness, we can we can identify what we're thinking and believing in those moments of jealousy, envy, grudge carrying, and um, and question our thoughts. And it shifts the way we see the world. The ego ceases to rule us, and we can meet it with an understanding that doesn't require war. It's not a battle. It's actually, I came to... To appreciate the um, the genius of an ego that would create something that isn't, that's quite a trick. And it really is. It's a magic trick. But we can wake up to that, anyone with an open mind. When you found yourself, Katie, lying on the floor before you had that moment, what sort of thoughts were you thinking in that state of suffering for so many years? Well, for one thing, I slept on the floor next to my bed because I was so full of self-loathing. I didn't believe I even deserved to sleep in a bed. That is whacked. Wow. So there's an example. Yeah. <laughs> I just, you know, my prayer was, um, you know, I don't remember this as an actual prayer, but the the feeling was, I just want out of here. Yeah. I just want out of here. And I guess I was too cowardly to kill myself or didn't want my children to blame themselves. Yes. And do you look now at that divine moment that happened that has then gone on to change the lives of so many people because your work has changed the lives of so many millions of people? Mm-hmm. So radical. Do you, yeah. Do you look at that as oh, being like just, a something from the divine, or how do you see that? Some kind of miracle, definitely. Yeah. And the miracle is, I just woke up to reality. I saw that. I saw the cause of all my suffering, and it's easily to translate to the world. You know, I wrote my mind down on paper the way the ego works. And there are only six things. It's I want, I need, they should, they shouldn't. I don't ever want to. And I'm, I'm, I'm angry because. And it's, that's it. And I put that down in what I call a judge and neighbor worksheet. There are just six questions on it. So we just, you know, anytime we're angry, upset, we just identify that moment in time that we fear in the future or that we experienced in the past and fill in number one. And so one through six, we just, um, in a meditative state, as we anchor in one situation that's causing us grief, 
we just identify what we're thinking and believing in that situation. And we can get it squared away and no one can do that for us. Why do we, do you think as humans, believe our stressful thoughts? Well, it's just not our fault. You know, like my mother maybe said, I mean, Kathleen, what are you doing? And, and a little child goes like, goo goo gaga. We don't, you know, we don't know yet yes. what language means. And so she says, Byron, Kathleen, and I don't know that's me. I, I have no idea. And then my father says, Byron, Kathleen, and I don't know that's me. And finally, there is that moment I believe. And that is my entry into the world. Yes. Once identity, I, I am, I am a, a little girl. I have a mother. I have a father. It's just I, I, I to our deathbed. And I love that the world would understand that, you know, we questioned us into this world. I mean, we believed ourselves into this world. Yes. And we can question our way out of this world. And I consider myself, or, or let's say true or false, I consider myself out of this world, out of the world as I understood it to be in that depression, that, that world of hell, that state of mind. And I'm out of that world. And I'm not just grateful it's just I can see I have questioned me out of that world, that world of depression. There's something wrong with me. He doesn't care about me. Um, she thinks I should do more. Um, I have to go to work. I, you know, these things, they just, they can be questioned and it doesn't, you know, the ego will convince you they're true. That is its job. Yes. That is how it stays identified as identity. And uh, ego is mind, and mind is not object. It is not object. It can never be. So it's, it cannot sleep. It's got, to, it's got to identify as object at all times, or we wake up to reality, and that's what happened on the floor. Wow. What did you say in the moment that you were on the floor that changed your life forever? Nothing. There was just no self to say to. Yeah, it was, it, it, it was as though, and I can tell the story after the fact, it stood up. It walked into another room. It looked in the mirror. The face in the mirror. It looked into those eyes and something met. It was extraordinary. Looking into your eyes right now, it's very easy for me to this to relay this out loud. But something extraordinary happened. I fell in love. Oh. And I can't say I fell in love. I was loved. Yeah. It was it was it was you know, I want to say a lightning, lightning bolt, but I don't want people's imaginations thrown away like a lightning bolt. It wasn't like that. It was just, I was zapped. And I met myself. And that turned out to be a beautiful, by nature, a beautiful thing. 
what was that feeling of love like when you looked into your eyes? Connection. Something connected to me. Was that the first time in your life, do you think, that you truly loved yourself? Well, I still couldn't call it myself. Yes. But I can tell you, I was born into love in that moment. And, and, and since then, and we can all say the same, there's no moment that we're not other than what we're thinking and believing, there is no moment that every human being in this world does not experience love. Mm. And we think love is supposed to look like something or be something, but just that state of don't know. What a beautiful way to live life. Don't know. It's, um, it's a, a trust and I use the term a friendly universe. I have yeah. come to see it's a friendly universe. And, and it's something we wake up to. It's as though if I, if you, if you, um, if you died and went to heaven where everything is perfect, everything is perfect. Mm. The only problem was you believed in heaven what you believed on earth. So where would you be? So I'm in heaven. You know, it's um it's a it's a friendly universe. Yes. I know it by nature, it matches my heart without pretending it's just what we're left with, that reality and the way that we can test the way we can contest this is if I think or say or do some believe say or do something to harm another human being. We feel guilt. Mm. We feel a kind of people call it energy, but it's nothing more than the emotional that's matching the movie we're in. Yes. Of past, future, past, future, imagination. So we're being imaged. We're not even doing it. We're innocent like that child I described earlier. Yes. And when we find ourselves in hell, we can identify what we're thinking and believing and wake up to this friendly universe. But I don't call it the work for nothing. You know, we're so convinced and we're so busy you know, I don't want to sit down and fill in a, a judge or neighbor worksheet and six questions. I've got a life to live. No. You know, if your life's worth living, you know, um, um, that's a beautiful thing. Yes. And the one we live with is the one we wake up with in the morning and spend the day with, you know, that ego, that yeah. egoic state of mind that would do anything to keep us from understanding and getting in touch with our, our true nature. How does one get out of that state of suffering and stop believing the negative thoughts that swirl in their mind? Well, I would look at a negative, um, what I myself might consider negative, and we each have to find our own. Yes. 
you know, like a negative thought to me might not be a negative thought for someone else. So this is really personal work. We, we all do our own. And, and for example, if I thought there's something wrong with him, he heard that attitude in my voice. I don't just think there's something wrong with him. There's a thing that goes with it, you know, that, that the ego requires that, that I, you know, I'm trying to convince myself, I meaning ego trying to convince itself. There's something wrong with him. I know there's something wrong with him. And so you feel that, that goes against the heart. You know, it's, it's, um, it's that I know mind. And so I would just simply write that down and, and go to the work.com, pull up a one belief at a time worksheet, always free, and fill it in. There's something wrong with him. And then how? To answer your question, the first question is, is it true? There's something wrong with him. And the ego is going to want to go, yes, 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 but this is a meditative state of mind. It's a, this work takes stillness. Mm. There's something wrong with him. Is it true? And the answer is either yes or no. It's not yes, but, or no, because. It's just yes or no. In stillness, you just wait. You witness, eyes closed. Can I absolutely know that it's true, that there's something wrong with him? And I look at the situation again. I recall his words again. I see his actions again in my mind's eye in that past. And the answer is shown to me. It's either yes or no. Yeah. So it's where it requires an authentic self. Mm. And it's never too late. It's there. That's why people champion meditation and getting still. You know, it's all there when we get still. And so these questions are like a guide through that stillness. Yeah. So, and then that third question how do I react? What happens when I believe the thought there's something wrong with him? And then I get still, and I notice how I react. I get in touch with the emotional and that attitude. There's something wrong with him. I mean, there's no one around. I'm in a room by myself thinking there's something wrong with him, and I've got an attitude. You know, this, this <laughs> ego just playing itself out. So I get in touch with my my attitude, do I compulsively addict to something, food, cigarette, drug, whatever? Do I, do I open my phone and start doing, do I, you know, just how do I react when I believe the thought there's something wrong with him? And I notice, that's it. I notice, I'm meditating in that moment in time where I was believing there's something wrong with him. And then the, the fourth and last question, in that situation with that person, when I'm believing that, who would I be without the thought there's something wrong with him? And then I listen very closely. Compassion begins to happen. I get really still. I listen. Oh, boy. I've, you know, truthfully, whatever, whatever falling in love means to people, it's just that I see what the ego's been hiding, what's on the other side. And a lot of tears can come with that because yeah. it could be someone I've hated all my life or resented all my life or someone I've never even met before. Yeah. And then 
And then I invite people to turn around and not to believe the turnarounds, not to get stuck in the turnarounds, but to meditate in the turnarounds and find opposites. There's something wrong with him and opposite. There's something wrong with me. Okay, in that situation, there's something wrong with me. We always, this process, we anchor in the situation. There's something wrong with me. And I try that on. Doesn't mean there is something wrong with me. I'm going to try it on. Again, this, this is personal work. It takes courage. So in that situation, there's something wrong with me. And what did I say? What did I do? What, did my, what was my attitude? Did I give him the look? Did I, did I gossip about him? Did I, did I talk about him in a poor light, but in a way where they wouldn't think I was critical? And I, I see my identity unfold. Can be a lot of tears with that. Yeah. There's something wrong with him. Another opposite. There's something right with him. Now, the ego's not going to like that one, but this is a silent practice. So there's something right with him. And then, you know, often we can see they're just simply telling the truth we don't want to hear. Mm. Or they're, they're judging us with words we don't like. And they, as I meditate in it, they turn out to be true. And maybe I owe amends. I admit it. I apologize. I make it right where I can, and I learn to live that with the rest of the human race. I owe, I owe. It's off to work I go. <laughs> and so we just kind of meditate in those turnarounds and, and get still and then um, and go on with our lives and notice the shifts that happen and expect nothing. It's actually extraordinary because my girlfriend and I have you know, studied your work for many years now and oh. we find ourselves someone will come with an issue and we'll go back to the first question. Is it true? And usually, Katie, we stop there because we go, no. Do you know for sure that it's true? And 99.9% of the time we do not know for sure that it's true and there is such a sense of grace that comes over and relief when you're like, this is my mind just thinking these negative constructs about someone or something that doesn't, we don't even know for sure. And mm. I find with your work, it is, it's see, it's actually very simple. It's just that yes. we never get the mind to think in such a simplistic way. It becomes so convoluted and so complicated and, and that mm. negative spiral of self-deprecation or or negative beliefs that may have been stilled in us when we were young that we haven't yeah. even really realised yet. But this work, I mean, the work that you do, it's, it's these simple questions that really they, they hold the truth within them. Yeah. Like my mother named me Byron Katie, believed I'm Byron Katie, but through this work, you know, if you ask me if it's true, I have to say no. And when people ask me in the world, what is your name? I say, Byron Katie, or Byron Kathleen. But we believe what other people believe. We attach to, they believe it. They say it yeah. as though they believe it. And then we believe it. So it's not on them. Mm. Like for 43 years, let's say, um, 
I believed I was Byron Kathleen too. But that my mother didn't make me believe. No one made us believe. It was a happening. Yes. I believed. I attached the ego identifying born into the world. That is the not I born into the world. That is not I. And I love that we can question our thoughts and our identity shift to kinder human beings. That's just, it, it, it doesn't shift to a meaner human being. It shifts to a more awake, kinder, more aware human being. And, you know, I'm all about the end of suffering. That's my gig. The okay. end of suffering. This waking up to reality and everything. These questions will take you as far as you want to go, the, mm. the work. But just just to uh, live in the world and and just to understand the cause of suffering and how to end it, it gives us our power back. Yes. We don't have to be a victim of the world. Mm. If we just do a little of this work, we we it, as you express so sweetly, you know, we can. We can question it and wake up. Some great mind said, an, 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 what, what is it? Um, an unquestioned life is not worth living. Yeah. And I've come to, to see that that's true. That's so true. You say defense is the first act of war. Can you explain that to us? Well, if you say something like... Um, Byron Katie, you're wrong. And I say, I'm not wrong, you know, I'm right. And and so you hear the defense? Yes. Okay. So if you say, Byron Katie, you're wrong. In my world, I get excited. You're immediately my teacher. You see something that I've missed. Yeah. Because for me to defend against what you said tells me, you know, you know what's behind the door. Mm. And so um, people's judgments serve to wake me up to what I'm asleep to. Yeah. And if you want to meet a great teacher, just hang out with your enemies. They have all your secrets. That's why they're your enemy, the e- enemy of the ego, of course. But, yeah. Oh, my goodness. It's so it's true. Fun. It's so true. There, it's something it just reminded me happened yesterday. I was, I was doing a negotiation for something and with, with someone I absolutely adore. But, you know, you get into that situation where you're negotiating and there's money and all that stuff is involved. And mm-hmm. I was thinking, is he giving me a good deal? It seems like a good deal. But, you know, and I was questioning him and I, I didn't realise, but I may have questioned him a little bit more than I should have. And he stopped mm-hmm. and he said... Sarah, have I ever done anything to, to, to make you question me, to, to do anything that was wrong to you? And I'm, he hasn't. He's extraordinary. And I yeah. said, no, not at all. And he said, why are you questioning me so much? It's actually really upsetting me that you are questioning me so much. And I stopped to what you're saying. And I thought, this is a great lesson for me. Why am I not trusting someone who's only been 100% trustworthy to me and I then started to kind of think back to other situations where I had questioned people who had never done anything to me, who had only been trustworthy. And I thought, 
what what is this fear that someone is going to do you wrong and 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 it it is true like sometimes when you look at a situation and you're given feedback take it and run with it yeah and and or maybe you won't take it and run with it but you can think for yourself yes yes you know you can admit it and share with that person what you shared with me no in which I'm sh- sure you did you never have yeah. done, done anything that I would and I'm sincerely sorry and I need a little time to to look at this again and run it by maybe you want to run it by someone else but whatever it is and it because it doesn't mean you have to say why do I do that and then let it go yeah we're free. Yeah. We can admit it, apologize, and, but only authentically. As authentically as you shared with me. And then um, check it out as deeply as you want. And then it's your yes or no. Yes. You've obviously spoken to a lot of people through the work that you've done. What are the negative thoughts that most of us believe? Because I feel there's really only a few. He, she, she doesn't understand me. Um, There's something wrong with me. Um, You don't understand me. There's um, on the work.com, there's um, a a list of what I call um, universal beliefs. And they're the same in every language. Yeah. And um, and it's a sh- it's it's the short list and it's long, but um, there it's a list where if people don't know what to write about because the ego just won't allow it, then you can borrow one of those because they are universal. How do you look at life without judgment? Because I feel that you wouldn't do that. Um, I judge. I judge. The ego judges. Yeah. It's it's just not valid. Yeah. And I can't say it's not valid because I'm a listener. I listen. I'm the ego. I've allowed, not on purpose, but as it happens, by questioning the ego rather than going to war with the ego, mm. it has found a home in me. It trusts me. And that me that I refer to is it 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 is all of us. It's wisdom. Mm. It's pure wisdom. So the ego can rest in that. It trusts it. It's not going to move. It's immovable. The heart, goodness, grace, love, all these names we name. We have names for this, for our true nature. Mm. And, and um, so the ego, you know, I, I can judge all day long. It's just that I, I'm awake. I don't believe it. I'm a don't know. I'm living a don't know life. And occasionally something pops up. And I'm, and I'm going, yeah, yeah, you know, emotionally. And yeah. it's, uh, never mind. <laughs> not, not true. But um, it's, um, it's, 
it's a, I have no idea what what Earth School is going to give me next. It can give me great suffering. This is Earth School. Mm. And um, for all I know, this is a breather. But in to my mind, I understand the cause of all suffering, and I'm awake to it. And um, what do I know? <laughs> the Buddha said that a life of attachment is a life of suffering. How mm. do you live your life without attachment? Well, attachment to me is, um, it's not money, it's not friends and people and, and um, you know, ob- ob- objective things. It's, um, it's to what I'm thinking and believing. To attach to those is the cause of all fear. And, um, and so that's attachment. And so the work is all about attachment. We can have, we can have the most amazing lives. And because of what we're thinking and believing, we're in a torture chamber. Yeah. Or we can live a life of, as the world sees, of poverty. And we can be, we can live in a state of grace. It's all a state of mind. And I love that we would all understand how to, um, how to um, question our, how to identify and question our thoughts, the thoughts that cause all the suffering of the world, in our world. Isn't it extraordinary that we can change our mind to question our thoughts and, as you said, live a life of peace and love, no matter what the external circumstances are. Yeah, it's um, it leaves a big job. It's it's um, for example, just walking down the street happily. You know, moving from from let's say your living room to the kitchen and seeing a whole pile of dishes in the sink without the, the eagle going, it's not fair, they're not my dishes, I did them last time. Just to follow the simple direction, there they are. It's a world of peace. And then the eagle says, but people will take advantage of you. No, no, I don't have to do the dishes. No one's making me. You know, I do that for me. I like, I like an empty sink. Yeah. Yes, it's a self-service. Yeah. And to serve the people I love, and that would be just about everyone in the world as far as I know, is, um, is um, a beautiful life. Katie, there's a line that I've heard you say that's it's really impacted me over the years. There are three types of business, your business, other people's business and God's business. Can you explain that? Well, uh, a friendly universe, that's God's business. And when our mind matches that, then um, it's not Pollyannish, it's not pretending, it's, it runs true. And it's been tested for, for that person. So, um, in other words, for me, I've tested it. And, and so if I am mentally 
in um, running my daughter's life and she's on one end of the world and I'm living on the other side of the world. But I'm mentally in her business and I'm wondering how she's she's doing with my grandchildren and what they're all doing. Da -dun -da -dun -da -dun -da -dun. Well, I'm mentally in her business, so that leaves me with that leaves me lonely, basically. Yeah. So as soon as I notice if I'm feeling lonely, I'm missing my daughter and I see all those images, you know, then come home. One of one of us is there for me. So that leaves my daughter to hers, which I have no control over, and leaves someone here for me. So I'm not alone myself. I have gathered me up. I'm in no one's business but my own. And there's plenty to do there. The world is in me. It's not outside. Yes. The world, if you, if you look to yourself what you're thinking and believing about the people in your life, seen and unseen, met and, and, and unmet, but the people in your, your world, your life, your inner life, what you're thinking and believing about them is who they are. Mm. So if you, if, so I am who you believe me to be, and I can never be more or less to you. So if there are a million people, let's say I've met a million people, there are one million different Byron Katie's, different identities. So the world is in you, and it's who and what you believe it to be. Mm. So in my world, I'll turn it around from here now. The world is who and what I believe it to be. So if I don't love my world, I don't go out and try to change the world. I question my thoughts and my world changes. I question my thoughts about you and him and her. And your identities shift in me. So you do change. You change completely. So I do change the world. I'm changing it all the time. Yeah. And the way I see people affects my children, my grandchildren, and people I'm close to. Mm. Because it's authentic. Yeah. It's not something I'm trying to do. I'm not trying to be nice. I'm just living out my nature, and it's quite a journey. How important is the present moment and, and, and living within that? It's um, less past, less future, but even the present moment is in the past now. Yeah. Like this moment right here, right now, is now past. Yeah. So it's as close as we can get is to get still and uh, notice what's going on in our head. And maybe there are a few things that... that um, you know, everything from a nightmare to a mild discomfort, maybe you identify those and just put them on a worksheet and question them and the directions, of course, as I've said, they're all there on the work.com. But um, um, I, I'm responsible for a peaceful world. You know, we, we give up on, um, we are in the, 
this world, we're so hard now. We're so, we're so um, at war with each other now. We're so, we're so, you know, this world, basically, it's a mess. Yeah. Okay. So if, if, I, if I question all four questions and turnarounds as I look at anyone in the world or any group in the world, it, 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 it doesn't matter. That's my world. And when I question it and try on those turnarounds, those opposites, something shifts. And if I do it on just one group that I find, they're just those people. And just that one group, it shifts the way I see groups of people all over the world. Because, again, the world is in me. It is yes. what, who and what I believe the world to be. So... Anyone listening to this, if you don't love your world, then then um, there's a there, there is if your mind is open to it and you want to shift that and you want to just ask your most authentic self to come up to the bat, that authenticity will meet the questions and it will shift your life yeah. to a better world. Yes. Death is obviously a, a very hard thing, you know, losing a loved one and and an, mm. a, an out of order death. Yeah. I know that your mum died a few years ago. How did you not suffer during that time and how did others not suffer? Well, I just am so clear that she can't die. She had she she has to live before she can die. And she is who I believe her to be, and that can never die. Meaning, I see, and as you asked me the question, I see my mother on, on what the world would call her deathbed, and I see me just dropping my schedule and being with her for several weeks, sleeping with her, all the medications and the, the oh my goodness, the privilege, the privilege, the privilege, the privilege of, of just being present. And I am, I am, and I, all, all physical pain. She had pancreatic cancer and, and in so much pain. And I am really good at meds on time and et cetera, et cetera. You know, really, I'm a great caretaker. <laughs> and, but I, the greatest care is I am so aware that even physical pain is either remembered or anticipated. This is not a world of pain. Earth is not a world of pain. It's, it's a world to wake up to. There is no, yes, there's pain. Yes, we feel pain, but it's either remembered or anticipated. And a person, a meditator, can get really still and see that to be true. Mm. So getting back to my mother, she was being, she was remembering and, and, anticipate, and, and anticipating. And so I have the privilege of understanding that there's only a sleepness mm. that other than her thinking and believing Oh, you know, I, I don't know how this will be heard I, because I, I don't mean this disrespectfully. That's why we're here in Earth. We we believe our thoughts. That's that's it. Yeah. 
So not guilty, you know, we can be completely convinced all pain is either remembered or anticipated. So there is no now, now, there is no time, there is no, it is imagination. Mm. I am imagined. Oh, honey, you you asked the best questions, but it was a privilege being with my mother and my peace was in knowing that it's a projection of mine, and I had some really good drugs for her. Hospice uh, here in the States mm. um, are, oh my goodness, they're just, they're so incredibly compassionate, and and were there with me all the way. Is mm. sadness suffering, Katie? Like, wait, did you feel uh, sad? Sadness is a, it's a minor tantrum. Yeah, <laughs> you know the ego's minor tantrum. Tantrum, it doesn't. It's it's not. Um, it's not fully amped to to hate or. <laughs> yeah, sadness is. Um, sadness is. Um, I don't know. I think it's personally. I think it's sweet. Yeah. But I always go into you know it's it's the opposite of joy, and I felt a joy with my mother in the process. But for all of the gifts, you know, the gift the gift of life she gave me yeah. here in this world. And and oh my goodness, I, I don't think that I can use a lot of words to describe love. It was just a privilege to be with my mother, you know, so so many people around me um, afraid to be with not comfortable being in that kind of situation at the end. Yeah. And, there, and there's no end, you know, she's, she's right here. You can see her. You've never met her before, but you can see her in her deathbed, you know, by description. Anyone listening to this can see it. Do you remember the moment she passed? How was that? Oh, yes. And I'm still waiting for her to pass. I was looking into her eyes, and then I saw the absence or what I experienced to be the absence, and I just continued and continued and continued to look for any shift. And it was, um, it was like the end of the story and the beginning of the story. Oh, that's and alive, beautiful. Mother not. <laughs> that's beautiful. Yeah, you know, it's it's all we're really left with is is um, in the end is a state of gratitude and how can I help? Yes. Yes. Yeah. How do you live your life now without suffering? Um, I don't do it on purpose. I've just done enough inquiry, enough self introspection through inquiry that. Um, I understand the cause of all suffering and how to end it. It's it's like I can see um, one of my sons um, has taken several just horrendous crashes on um, years ago on a on motorcycle on motocross. Yeah, and um, and it's beautiful to be present with. Um, your children and it, it, it doesn't have to be all about me and oh oh how could you do that oh my god look what you did oh my god oh my god you know um, it's that's all about me 
but to be present with him and hear what it's like for him. And that's my interest, to see what is it like for my children, my grandchildren, the people in my life listening. Oh, my goodness, I'm, I am a listener. Listening has replaced judgment. I don't listen and judge. I listen, and I don't judge. Is it true or not? I listen. Mm. I always consider the person I'm with the teacher. Mm. Oh. And that leaves me as a student. That's my favorite position. But don't know. Yeah, it's extraordinary. I obviously being in my profession, I all I do is listen as well. And I feel yeah. what a privilege it is to listen, to listen to the stories, to listen to my friends, to listen, to listen to anyone that I meet and, and just hear them and walk away. That to me is is love and and, and um, learning and wisdom. Isn't oh. that the most powerful? Absolutely. Don't you feel just filled? Yes. It must be like what was meant with my cup runneth over, that listening state you're describing. It's just yes. being filled. It's so, such a privilege to be the listener. Such a privilege, an absolute um, privilege. You said that, that, you know, don't argue with what is, accept what is, doesn't matter what happens with life. Yeah, I don't argue with what is. I change it if I can. Yes. And uh, accept it if I can't. And the only thing off is I'm believing my thoughts. Mm. Or I'm awake. And I can only judge it when I'm in that place. Yeah. But um, I think it comes down to listening again. Listening, it's true. I mean, even I suppose when your son had the accident, I mean, did you question like, why, why did he have the accident? Or you just accepted what was and then well, spent that if, time if with I him? If I say, why, why did you have the accident? That's if you, if, you're, if you stop and consider the question, it's simply crazy. Yes. He knows why he did it. And I know why he did it. He wanted to race. Mm. And, I mean, it's, it's not a mystery, mystery. He wanted to ride. Yes. So I'm going to ask him, why did he do it? So I'd rather listen. Mm. And I get to hear it. I get to hear his passion and how crazy or sane he is, and, <laughs> and his joy, and his, I get to be a part of his life. What's the best advice that you've ever been given? You know, it's funny, honey, but um, if, if someone said, Byron, Katie, shut up, I go, oh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> You're so kind. <laughs> it's, and, and, and truly, it's, it's, um, it's like, help me, stop me. <laughs> and it's just, shut up, you know. And, and you know, it's interesting from that time on the floor, it, it sounds very strange, but without a past, I can't prove I've ever spoken. Mm. And the past, you know, when I tell you my, my experience where the work found me, uh, I say, you know, I'm on the floor, I was asleep, all of this. But, you know, that is the dream of now. I'm describing the dream of now. Yeah. As we say, I recall it, I remember it. 
but uh, that is not I. And if I have the thought, um, sunlight, I see the image in my head. And right now I'm looking out the window and I can see sunlight, but I would have no idea what that was without a past. It would be brand new. It would be the only. And so that's how I live my life. Like I'm looking at a chair behind the the screen where where we're speaking. I see the chair. If I didn't know what that was, I'm in awe. And I don't know what it is other than this imagination of a chair when I was a little girl and a chair of yesterday and the the chair in my daughter's house and the chair in my mother's house. And that's all going on. Yeah. It's all, we call it ego. It's imaging. And then that's nothing until we put, we imagine, we attach words to it, like to the object, we name it. And, and so without, without all the past, and people think that's dangerous, but no, you can see what you call the past. Nothing's going to, you're not going to lose it. It's not like that. It's waking up to reality. Yes. Not doing away with the world, but meeting it with understanding. So I look at the chair and I look at the sunlight and, and, and they're new. And I'm less than three years old, and this 78-year-old body just having the time of my life. <laughs> <laughs> and, and speaking with, with, some, with just beautiful you. Oh, That's such a privilege. You. What is, we spoke about prayer briefly at the start. What is your favorite prayer? Well, it is, um, God spare me from the desire to seek love, approval, or appreciation. Amen. Oh, I love that. What is your greatest hope for society today? That they would wake up to the cause of all suffering and how to end it. Yeah. And that would be the end of war and the beginning of the creative mind and everything's possible there. What is a life of greatness to you? Just woman doing the dishes, <laughs> just loving everything she thinks. Beautiful. Byron Katie, you are an extraordinary human being. Thank you for all of your work. We are also very, very grateful for you. Honey, thank you so much. Your questions were so much fun. I love what you do. And like you, I'm very grateful. If you've enjoyed this episode, then I'd love you to join my community on Instagram at Sarah Grimberg, where we post videos and behind-the-scenes footage of each recording. You can also join my private Facebook group, Live Life Greatly, where we discuss the content in this episode and many more, as well as give advice and tips on how to live a life of love and meaning. To purchase my ebook, Finding Greatness, head to sarahgrimberg.com. And if you love what you heard, then we'd love you to hit subscribe on Apple Podcasts or your favourite podcast app and leave a five-star review. It will help us share this wisdom with others. A Life of Greatness's executive producer is me, Sarah Grimberg. Audio producers, Matt Curry and Nicola Sitch. 
Special thanks to Grant Tothill for bringing this dream to life. For more episodes, search a Life of Greatness podcast, download the new listener app now and listen for free. 